Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Good morning, men. Good morning. Good morning. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Grab a cup of coffee. Hopefully you brought it. Congratulations to all you guys getting here with those roads being so nasty. I know that was brutal. Another swing and a miss by the forecasters. It's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Uh, I know what you guys are thinking. I can't believe they got they let Burke MC the week Tennessee killed Kentucky in basketball. But here I am. Here I am. What was that score, Jay? 83-58. The women's game. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The women's game. You see, you know, you're on to my act. <laughs> Did the men play? Oh, that was <laughs> oh, I was there for that. That was pretty impressive. Uh, so for all you kitty cat fans out there, way to go. We get you in Knoxville in a couple weeks, so don't get too high on your horse. Um, anyhow, welcome back to another semester. Man, it is, it is good to be in a room that is full this morning. Glad the weather held out. Uh, if you're new to Man Challenge, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Coach is in the house. What's up, Coach? Uh, man, you're in the right place. Uh, we, we were supposed to have a new guy today. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out. He, he, he asked me, man, what do I need? You know, I know when you're new, sometimes it's like, what, what do I need? I got this. Man, you don't need nothing but a teachable spirit. Uh, and, and to be transparent, I will say at Man Challenge, what we are here for, we're trying to get to know Jesus more, confidence and competence in who he is. And we're trying to take a next step of faith. So for some guys, that's just getting in community, being transparent with a group of men. For some guys, that's inviting a coworker or inviting a buddy or a neighbor. Um, and for some guys, man, that's diving into the word a little deeper and, and growing in an area of obedience. But wherever you're at, the hope is in this room that all of us are going to keep taking our next step of faith. So that, that's a goal for all of us this semester um, as we get going, as we get fired up. I do have an announcement. Where's Grant? Grant, raise your hand. Grant. There's Grant. Give it up for Grant Roth. Our former, our former intern is now, uh, has a full-time position uh, on the preaching team, on the preaching team. So he will be writing, <coughs> helping Kyle with his sermons. Uh, and uh, so if, you know, if, if Kyle actually pulls off a good one, we'll know who to give the credit to. So uh, give it up one more time for Grant. Thank you for serving us so well. Um, you guys don't see necessarily all the things that, that uh, Grant has done over the course of the last, what, 18 months? Something like that. But uh, tremendous servant, very humble, uh, and has been salt and light 
um, to this to this ministry. So we are grateful for you, bro, and we're glad you're not leaving like Mason. You know, it, it is a little interesting that Ronnie keeps running off people. Uh, so we'll have to ask him about that when we bring him up. But um, let's bring up Ronnie. Come on out, Ronnie. A lot of golfer claps this morning. Yeah, yeah, it's people still waking up first week, you know. Um, let's, what's your name? Ronnie. Okay, Ronnie. Do, what do you do around here for the new guys? Turn the mic on. There it's on. So I've been on staff here. There we go, there we go. For nine and a half years. Nine and a half years. Focusing on men. Okay. Um, Ronnie's our men's pastor for, for those of you guys who don't know. Uh, wife and three kids, tell us the coolest thing you did over the holiday break with your kids. <clears throat> mm. um, I, took, I took my 13-year-old skiing for the first time, and that was awesome. Everybody came back in one piece? and We did. All good? We did. We figured out. I hadn't been skiing in 26 years, but figured it out. <laughs> good. Hey, you know, we, we like to ask questions and, and get to know people. Obviously, you guys know Ronnie well, but I would just like to, uh, to, to shine a light on Ronnie. Every uh, time I'm around this dude, especially when I'm around his son, his kid, I know he's talked about this before from the stage, his kid has the best handshake for a nine-year-old, okay? So some of you dads, like, uh, I'm, I've been coaching up my boys to try to do better with their handshake. So uh, you know you got a good dad when their kid has a good handshake. Mm. So that's about as good as endorsement as I can give him before he preaches. Let me pray and get out of the way here. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. I'm thank, thankful for this man and his heart, how he loves you. Um, God, I pray you'd fill this room up with your spirit. Uh, teach us something new, something fresh, God, for the purposes of loving people more like you, God. So, so help us do that today, um, and I pray that you just give Ronnie the wisdom and discernment uh, to speak from your word and not feel the need to add to that because we know that it is more than enough. So we thank you for this opportunity to be sharpened this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Hey, good morning, fellas. It is great to see you. Uh, Great to see you. It is such a weird time to be alive, isn't it? I mean, my 13-year-old last week at her school, there's like 130 in her class, and 87 on one particular day were out, whether with COVID or exposure. And do we wear masks? Do we? Not? I mean, just all this stuff. It's just, it's a, it's a weird time. And then I was telling one of my friends here this morning that about, I think it was about four years ago. I made the call. It wasn't kickoff like winter winter edition like this, but it was close to kickoff. And I remember we got this prediction, a forecast that Armageddon was coming, and you know snow was going to be up to rooftops. And I remember I was like, "Well, man, you know, I don't want to put you guys at risk." Uh, and so I canceled it the night before. And I remember the next next morning I was I was driving in and was like, "Dude, it's fine." out here and so I remember I was like well I'm never doing that again and at the same time you know it is called man challenge uh, but we don't want to we don't want to be silly about it either um, but I appreciate you guys risking your lives off of that dusting uh, that some of you might have seen it was good so you know I love our church I love this place um, and I love our focus on making one at a time not just some catchy slogan that makes us sound good, but
But I love behind the scenes that I'm seeing, like, we are making shifts as a, as a church leadership to truly make one at a time our heartbeat. Not just something that every once in a while we might, you know, talk about. But it's becoming the heartbeat of who we are as we are striving um, to put our gaze on Jesus and to model what he instructs us to model. And one at a time is what we are striving to become distinctly marked by um, as a group of believers, as a group of men. And so uh, I'm very grateful to be able to kick off our, our winter series uh, in line with that. You know, there's two times a year, if, you, if you're part of Southeast, um, you might know this. And if you're not, this, this is not a Southeast thing. You're welcome here. Um, but two times a year, uh, since Kyle's moved into senior pastor role, he's like, man, I, two times a year, I want us to bring all of our campuses together and us all focus on, on one thing, uh, being be in sync with the same series. And so right now, if you, if you come on Thursday nights or, Saturday, or Sundays at this campus, you'll know, you know, focus is one at a time. And so that's what we're doing here at Man Challenge is we're alignment with that. And so... You know, I love this one-at-a-time focus, but I got to tell you, my temptation is often to turn this one-at-a-time into one crowd at a time, or one sermon at a time, or one teaching at a time, one service project at a time, one group at a time, one Bible study at a time, and if I'm not careful... I try to turn Jesus' literal words into some, well, what he really meant was, you know, instead of taking the time with one guy, like, man, you can, you can preach and it's, it's all these guys, right? And so if I'm not careful, my temptation is to take something that Jesus literally meant in a literal sense and go, oh, he didn't really mean that. And that's a temptation of mine, but I want to be careful that I don't discount those things I just mentioned because... Uh, or, or imply that they're wrong because they are not wrong if they're done in Jesus' name. In fact, Jesus modeled himself investing in large crowds. He preached to and taught crowds, Scripture tells us. He engaged service projects. You know, there were two different times um, in the Gospels in particular where he did pretty big service project. People were hungry. Um, he took really small lunchbox and he turned it into feeding 5,000 men and women and children. Another time, um, did the same thing, 4,000 men, women, and children. Uh, he did service project. He invested a lot of time in his small group, his, his 12 disciples. Uh, he even studied the truth of Scripture with these guys. So I, so I want to be careful that I'm not, you know, harping on, hey, if it's not literally one at a time, it doesn't count. Because Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, not to just hang out, but in Jesus' name, he says, there I'm with them. So instead of discounting those things, this morning we're going to laser in our focus in on an essential commitment that complements all of these above things too. It's not a do we do this or that? It's yes and is where we become um, the church that God intends us to be. So today's one at a time story, I got to tell you guys, it challenges me to my core personally um, because it forces me to exchange my, 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 nat my ordinary natural self, which is selfish, my focus on how's this help me, and exchange that with what is unnatural, which is selflessness. 
which is what Jesus modeled over and over again. And the story that we're going to lean in on this morning, ironically, takes place while Jesus is teaching to a packed crowd. So, irony, full, full throttle here. If you have your Bible or app, or if you just want to listen, that's okay. But we're going to be focusing on Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. My Bible calls it, Jesus heals a paralytic. And it says this in the NIV version. It says, one day as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew that they were th- what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to, to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what, what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Fellas, whether this is your first time hearing that story or whether you're like, oh man, I've, I've heard that since I was a kid, doesn't matter. This is an incredible passage of scripture. There are so many truths packed inside, inside this, these short verses And so I want us to circle back with our time this morning before we reach out into our table time and unpack this stuff. And I want to break down this passage through this lens of one at a time. And here's what we know. Here's a few facts. There was a crowd gathered. It was standing room only. And Jesus was able to heal the sick. That's how this story starts off. Like, we know that. And next it says... Some men carrying a paralyzed man man, tried to lay him before Jesus. I want to pause here for a minute. Because I have most of my life assumed that passage uh, to say that these men brought their friend, their good friend, or maybe their best friend. But this week as I was preparing, I was like, you know what? It doesn't say that. Could have been true, but it doesn't say that. Um. We don't know here if these men were on their way from one of these villages that Scripture was talking about um, to hear Jesus' teaching. And perhaps they came across this guy who was paralyzed and laying on a mat. And as they crossed paths, this dude begged them, hey, can you give me a lift to see Jesus? We We don't know that. We also don't know if these guys were good friends and that they had just been on a snowboarding trip or or something and this dude had a big time wipeout, leaving him instantly paralyzed 
And these guys are like, man, we heard this guy Jesus is here. We, we probably should go take this guy and see if he can heal this guy. We, like, it doesn't say the situation um, preceding this. We don't know. But what we do know is that some men were intentionally trying to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. That we do know because Scripture says that. And we also know that these men were trying, uh, these men were striking out. It says, when they could not find a way to do this. To do what? To get this man in front of Jesus. That we do know. And so notice what it says next. Because of the crowd. And I want us to pause for a moment here because I think, I think this is worth pointing out. It's interesting to me as I was diving into this and come into that, that they could not find a way because of the crowd. And it hit me. And it can sound confusing because sometimes within the confines of this place known as Southeast Christian Church, sometimes the crowd can get in the way of one at a time. The crowd can get away one time. That sounds so crazy because it's like, Ronnie, isn't the goal to get as many people into the crowd? And you're now you're saying the crowd sometimes gets in the way of one at a time? What? What? For instance, when I scan this crowd of man-challenged dudes, drink it in, right? I mean, I could say, man, from this stage, this room full of of you guys packed in here, it looks like, man, everybody's doing good. Some of you uh, brushed your teeth this morning, right? Combed your hair. Some of you put lotion on your head, right? You dressed, you, you, right? All this stuff. I mean, from here, it can look like, man, you guys look good. We're doing good. We got here at 6 o'clock. We battled through the Arctic salted roads. But if I had an hour with every one of you men across the street at Heine Brothers, one at a time, and asked a few simple questions, I believe, let me rephrase that, I'm confident that what I would learn is that we're not all okay. In fact, many of you, I would learn, are paralyzed in some sort of way. And there's something in the way of you getting to Jesus, even when you're sitting in a room hearing about Jesus. For the past couple of years, I've been doing uh, these workout classes at this place called Norton Sports Performance. And their class format, typically there's 10 to 20 guys or people. Um, in these classes, you just show up and, and there's an instructor. Um, and this week I was just thinking about this one at a time. And, and you know, some of these guys have even learned their names uh, as we're moving from station to station. But it just hit me this week. It's like, I wonder how many of these dudes that I've been working out next to and exchanging, hey man, good job, using that hundred you know, things like that. 
<sighs> I digress quickly. A couple years ago, I was going to put Eric Wood's uh, hand weight back on the rack, and I about broke my finger because it got stuck under there. So, you know, that's how I use hundreds. I was wondering this week, I wonder how many of these men that I've been working out next to the past couple years are paralyzed in some way, and I don't even know it because of a smaller crowd. You know, I wonder how many men that live on my cul-de-sac, you know, James, Eric, Sean, John, Keith, and then the adjacent street. I wonder how many of these men that, like, hey, man, for the past two and a half years are paralyzed in some way, and I don't even know it. I wonder how many of you men in this very room are paralyzed in a specific way, and I don't even know it. And truth be told, you're sitting at a table of guys, and they don't even know it. I just wonder about that. And I'm not wondering in shameless ways that beat ourselves up, but I love something Kyle challenged us with as a church a few weeks ago because it's right in line with this. He's, he's, he, he challenged us to pray this prayer. Jesus, give me your eyes for the one. Help me to see people the way you see people. Men, we have to fight, as we see in Scripture. We have to fight through the crowd to both see people and to get men one at a time right smack dab in front of Jesus so that they can see him clearly. In your man study, man challenge study guide for today's session, session one, in the big idea, there's this critical word that, um, that Grant used here. It's the word persistent. And I love that word because it articulates very clearly uh, and describes very clearly and accurately these men that bring this paralytic guy to Jesus. These men modeled the word here. Scripture does not merely say these men tried, but when they could not find a normal way or even an easy, comfortable way, they looked at the paralyzed man and said, man, sorry, dude, it wasn't meant to be. Scripture doesn't say that. No, these men were persistent. And they had the following posture that getting this man to Jesus is our non-negotiable. We don't know how, but it's our non-negotiable. And they took personal ownership in that non-negotiable. Next it says, they went up with this paralyzed man, right? It said they couldn't find a way. So next, they went up. They went above the crowd. Now, it's easy for us to read this 2,000 years later and think, oh, cool. The reality is, it doesn't say, you know, how they got him up there, but it says they went up with this paralyzed man. Now, I can tell you, if you were to come over to my house um, and to try to get anyone much less a paralyzed man on a mat up on my roof, even if you were using my 25-foot extension ladder, like, I don't know how you do that. So it's safe to say that it was not easy what these guys did, but it says they went up. And then it says that they lowered him right in front of Jesus, which took faith. And we know that because Jesus points out their faith here. And so it's easy for us to read this 2,000 plus years later and think, cool 
But I'm assuming these men did not know in real time things like, man, who owned this place? Like, I'm assuming they didn't know who owned this place, which means they had to want, man, am I going to get sued for destroying this person's, this owner's property? Am I going to have to pull out 20K and replace the dude's roof because insurance won't cover it? Uh, was Jesus going to be ticked because, quite frankly, he was just on his third point, and he hadn't even shared a joke or a poem yet, right? Is he going to get ticked at him for, like, interrupting? Were they going to get in trouble for not asking for permission first? I mean, Scripture doesn't say all these things, but it's safe to say, like, this wasn't all just easy for these guys, and it required risk. Scripture says that when Jesus saw their faith, he forgave the paralyzed man of his sins. Pretty weird to witness this, I'm sure, if you're in the crowd. I mean, you're, you're hearing all this noise and seeing all this drywall dust come from the ceiling, wondering, is, is there asbestos in there? All this stuff, right? And then you see this dude lowered, and next thing you hear is, you, it's clear the guy is paralyzed, and you hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. Probably seemed like Jesus was focusing on the wrong thing in that moment. Perhaps even these men who had gone to a lot of effort to get this man to Jesus, they might have even been thinking, Jesus, we, with all due respect, we didn't go to all this effort to get this guy to, to you to hear your sins are forgiven. And now we're left stuck with the problem to solve of how are we going to get this guy back up and over and down off this root, like, this seems to be different than how we were hoping this thing was going to play out. Scripture doesn't say what these men were thinking, but Scripture does say what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were thinking, and it wasn't God-honoring. They were being judgmental. They were sitting back doing nothing yet cons other than consuming, yet they were criticizing, quick to criticizing. Of course, they didn't say this. They thought it because that's what people who judge do, right? We sit back and, hey, did you hear that? To somebody who's trying to make a difference. They're criticizing Jesus for what he was doing. And I'm speculating here, but I'm positive that they were also judging these men for interrupting Jesus' teaching with this paralyzed man. And I want you to, to give you a sobering truth, fellas. When you put your stake in the ground as a Christ follower and you commit to pursuing as a non-negotiable, one-at-a-time living in Jesus' name, like these men did and even like Jesus experienced, other Christians, sad but true, other Christians will sit back and criticize your efforts and even judge you at times. Sometimes they'll criticize and judge your actions. Like, well, why'd you do that? Other times, they will even criticize and judge your motives. Well, he was just doing that to look good. I wish this were not true, but I've witnessed it. Fast forward and we see that Jesus forgave these men's sins. And he healed his physical needs too. I mean, Jesus, Jesus did both. And I don't want us to miss this next part because it is mongous. 
In fact, you may want to write these down. When Jesus brings healing, here's what happens according to this passage. When Jesus brings healing, it's immediate. It's immediate. Jesus did not forgive this man's sins and then tell him, go home and get physical therapy for the six months and make sure you're stretching using that stretchy band. No. He says, take your, take your mat and go home. When Jesus heals, it's immediate. When Jesus brings healing, it results in praising God. And I want you to catch this. It's, it results in praising God, not the men who got him to Jesus. They played a significant role, but that's not where the praise goes. It goes to our Heavenly Father. And it's a great reminder for me, perhaps you too, that one at a time living in Jesus' name is all about Jesus, not me. When Jesus brings healing, everyone is amazed. Even though the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there criticizing initially, when Jesus healed this dude, it says everyone. It doesn't say everyone except for the judgmental dudes. It says everyone is amazed, was amazed. And so when Jesus brings healing, everyone's amazed and something else happens. Everyone gives praise to God. I'm sure there was temptation to give a lot of credit to these guys for getting him to Jesus. But that's not what the focus was. Everyone gives praise to God when Jesus brings healing. Not when we do good deeds. And when Jesus brings healing, everyone is filled with awe. Everyone is filled with awe. And when Jesus brings healing, everyone witnesses remarkable things. And when you step back, I mean, it, isn't that, that why we got up early today at some level? Because we don't want to settle for a life that we know we can pull off. Like a life of just working, grinding it, providing paying bills, going to bed, rinse, repeat, and start all over. I don't know about you, but man, I, I want to live my life in such a way, such a one-at-a-time way in Jesus' name, that one, it requires Jesus to show up. And I want to live my life in such a way that, man, I have a front-row seat to witnessing as conduit Jesus' immediate healing. Don't you? Don't you want to witness something that can't be like, was that God or was that us? Like, I don't want to move and live in such a way to where it leaves me one. I want to live in such a way to where it's like, hey, listen, you guys would laugh your heads off if I tried to take credit for this one because it would be so laughable that it's like, no, only God can do that. Like, I, that's how I want to live my life. Like these men. I want to I live my life to where I'm constantly being amazed and constantly just only response being praise you, God. Praise God. I want to live my life in such a way, one at a time in Jesus' name, that I'm filled with awe. And to be able to go to bed and to be able to eat dinner with my 
three kids and my wife at night and share with them remarkable things that I witnessed in my day and hear them sharing stories of remarkable things because of our intentional efforts to get people to Jesus one at a time. I mean, am I alone or like, sound like something you might be interested in? Sure, I hope so. Because that's what Jesus calls us to pursue. One at a time is about each of us focusing with a one at a time lens. But as we learn from this story, and I don't want us to miss this, it's about focusing one at a time, literally one at a time, one, one man at a time. But what we can gather from here is it's not intended to be done on our own, one person alone at a time. That's not this one at a time. As we see from these men in this story, we pursue one man at a time, but we do it with some other men, linking arms with other men. Notice it didn't say a man came carrying a paralytic on his shoulders by himself. No, it says some men. Fellas, one at a time is a team effort where each of us is called to, to be conduit, to be connectors with linked arms with a few other men. That's what I love about this environment is even the fact that we're sitting in circles, not in rows. It's implying like we, we need each other. That's why I, want, I love one of our men's values around here, which is developing intentional, authentic male relationships so that when, when you're pursuing getting one dude at a time to Jesus and be like, hey, guys, I need your help. Can y'all help? Sometimes that's financial resources. Other times it's like, no, physically, I need you to come, come be with me and help. Love it. I want to share a one-at-a-time story that, that I'm witnessing in real time these past few months. I want to tell you about my friend Douglas. <clears throat> I first was introduced to Douglas uh, by two of our men's leaders around here named Todd and Gus, who were, uh, of all things, doing a prayer walk uh, several months ago downtown by the river, and they came across Douglas who, quite honestly, uh, was just in a tough spot. Uh, he had just recently gotten out of prison, and what you would think, you know, or I would think, man, you got out of prison, man, it's a good day. But he found himself, you know, separated from his twin daughters who were in high school, had been away from them because of prison for the past four and a half years, and just didn't have a job, didn't have a vehicle, just, just enemy was doing a number on him. Todd and Gus come across because they were being sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit's promptings. They said, hey, can we talk to you for a minute? Well, they started talking to him. One thing led to another. Uh, these two guys started investing in him. Uh, shortly after, I, I had the privilege of getting connected through these guys to Douglas and um, drove to where Douglas is living um, before around Thanksgiving time and um, had a chance to talk to him for about 45 minutes, learn some of his story. And just, I mean, the dude, is, the dude has had, like, his whole life, these past 42 years, like a normal day for him, if I experienced for an hour, it would be like, what? And it's just, it's just, just had a hard life. Witnessed a lot of, a lot of hard stuff. Well, 
uh, fast forward, learn, because of learning a story, you know, needs some transportation so that he can get a job and, and get to that. And so put some feelers out. And um, next thing I know, I'm talking to this, this guy named Steve. And he hears part of Douglas's story. And he says, um, man, I'd like to donate my truck to him. I'm like, okay. Uh, that was his response to, hey, man, you know, we'll buy your truck. He's like, I'll just give. Fast forward, uh, Andy Potter and I get to go pick this thing up in southern Indiana. Just had some work done. Uh, then uh, just seeing all the connecting pieces. Some, some friends of mine heard about it, donated some money um, to do some preventative maintenance and also to cover six months of insurance and uh, uh, title and transfer, license plates, all that stuff. Uh, two weeks ago, got the privilege to, of handing Douglas the keys to this truck. Um, and, you know, it was clear, like, dude, this wasn't me. This is, I just get, get the fun, fun opportunity to hand you these keys. Um, we helped him get to northern Kentucky to see his daughters at Christmas time. It's where he got to give them Christmas gift that he hadn't been able to do in the past five years. Our family had the privilege of inviting Douglas over for dinner about five weeks ago, uh, which was a blast. And, I, and ironically, we were, had invited Tony and Kim Cash over to eat the same night, which if you're, if you're ever 1115 service, that dude with the ponytail with like 20 uh, hair clippy things, whatever, it's got that cool thing. He's in there baptizing most Sunday mornings. Guys, he's discipling. Um, who just got out of prison five years ago himself and got to make that connection. And now Douglas is, is engaging with Tony's three-thirds group on Sunday mornings. Uh, Gus and Todd have connected Douglas with Daryl Davis. Who, if you're not familiar with, Daryl Davis has, a, has, a, has a, a wild past with prison and he started this ministry called Prisoner's Hope and he's got connected with Daryl and Daryl's trying to connect him currently with the job. He's got an interview this morning at 9. Like I said, Steve with the truck, my friend Joe, mechanic, has been part of Man Challenge, uh, helped do some preventative maintenance. Two days ago, um, talking to Douglas, learned that his, the, the mother of his two daughters, um, who lost her job two days before, three days before Christmas, uh, she's got notice. Uh, she was getting evicted this week. And so he's like, man, he goes, I just, I'm really concerned about him. And was able to make some connections and prevent her from being evicted this week. And on this text thread with Douglas and, and Monique, she was like, she was like, praise God. <laughs> Remember when, when Jesus brings healing, we respond with praise God. She said, praise God. She said, hey, if there's anything I could ever do for you or Southeast, let me know. She lives in Northern Kentucky. And I said, well, first off, you owe us nothing. Uh, this is the church being the church. But I said, if you do want to do something, because I knew Douglas's heart, I said, how about you join Douglas and me and bring your twin daughters up for an Easter service, and then our family's going to go out to dinner afterwards. Um, so making that connection hadn't happened yet, but I know it's going to. 
even the timing of being able um, to bless Douglas with his truck, last week he gets it. Well, Gus and Todd have been um, making sure Douglas is, is picked up and gets here to church on Sundays and, and returns home. He gets a truck last week. Todd uh, is sick with COVID. Um, Gus, I think this is right. One of his kids got, uh, got uh, contact traced. So, so neither one of them could pick him up last Sunday. But guess what? Doesn't matter. He's got, a, he's got a truck. He was able to drive himself to church this past Sunday morning. And I was sitting right next to him at 11.15, worshiping our great God. And I, just, I, I was just overwhelmed with with joy and with the thought, like, God, only you can orchestrate this kind of one-at-a-time movement through us, ordinary, human, sinful people saved only by God's grace. And hear this. One-at-a-time is not about making people our projects. Nobody wants to be a project. Douglas, you are not my project. You're my friend. I've been privileged to serve Douglas as conduit to, to other men and resources to meet both physical needs and spiritual needs. And I gotta be candid with you guys. Most of my life, most of my adult life, I have not made this one at a time pursuit in Jesus' name like my non negotiable been an option but it hasn't been my non-negotiable and i'll tell you fellas actually chris when you asked me what was what was my favorite thing over christmas it was getting to have douglas into our house um, because it gave my family a front row seat um, to making a new friend now when my kids see douglas on weekends they go up and talk to him and i just sit there and i think man that like what better better gift um is there so let me tell you a byproduct of one at a time pursuing Jesus as Lord of your life. It's a scripture, Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, he who refreshes others, I'm going to add in, he who refreshes others one at a time in Jesus' name will himself be refreshed. It's not why we focus on one at a time, but it's a byproduct, and it's how God's math works when we make that our gaze. When you focus on getting a man to Jesus one at a time, yes, it takes a lot of energy. It takes sacrifice. It takes grit. There's frustration involved. But, oh, man, it is so energizing uh, to live on purpose like these men did it back in Luke, one at a time, one man at a time. Guy Howard Hendricks who was professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, passed away multiple years ago, but he wrote this, and I think it's worth sharing. He said, let's examine the potential of effective communication. In other words, uh, one-at-a-time living. Suppose you did nothing for the next six months but disciple a man you had led to Jesus so that at the end of that training period, he was equipped to teach others. In the next six months... You, one at a time, trained another disciple, and the first one trained another convert. At the end of a year, you and three other Christ followers would be ready to disciple four more guys. 
At this rate of evangelism and training, the whole world would in 18 years be one to Christ. 18 years. Obviously, there has been a breakdown in the Christian communication process where, uh, and, and the failure is devastating. We must share the message of God's life to others in such a way that they can communicate it to others. Man, like what a great perspective. Like that is one at a time living. That, what is, that's not saying, Howard Hendricks is not saying, hey, Kyle needs to stop preaching the good news. We need to disband crowds. No, he's not saying that. He's saying in the crowds, we need to grab other men one at a time. When guys get baptized, if we don't grab them one at a time and disciple them, to teach them, like the Great Commission talks about. It says, make disciples teaching them to obey. If we don't do that, we've just birthed a bunch of orphans. So we have a great opportunity moving forward. And so I want us to lean in this morning and do some purpose evaluation. Because uh, I came across a quote uh, last week from a friend um, we don't know where it came from at this point, so we're just going to say this. A wise fortune cookie writer once said, A man without purpose resorts to pleasure. And if we're not careful, as Burke commented to me last week, he says, Pleasure is a lot of guys' purpose if we're not careful. And so guess what? This place is not exempt from that temptation. I'm not exempt from that temptation. So I want us to be clear for, for a quick minute. Your purpose according to Jesus. My purpose, according to Jesus, is to get other men who are paralyzed to him one at a time. My role, your role, is not to heal people. Only Jesus can do that. That's not our role. Instead, it's to get people one at a time to the ultimate healer. Jesus' role and promise is to heal people one at a time. And according to the Bible... He will and wants to. That's the good news. Man, I constantly need reminded of this truth over and over again. I need other men in my life asking me, man, how you doing with this non-negotiable? Because, listen, I'm not a prophet, but I, I know myself well enough to know that right now this is on my radar because I'm teaching on it. But in six weeks, if I'm not careful, I'll move on to something else. This isn't just a message. It's a truth that Jesus wants to get into to the core, to anchor into my heart, into my soul. So, same with you. And so I need constantly reminded of that. Otherwise, my default is to drift back to thinking and living for myself. Distracted. And so we're going to break into uh, what we call table discussion time. Uh, some of you, this is your first time here. We're glad you're here. One of the things around here is there's no perfect dudes allowed. All right? James 5.16 says, confess your sins so that you can be healed. And so this is a no-judgment zone. This is a judgment-free zone. What happens here stays here. But guys, I triple-dog dare you this morning as we're unpacking a few questions that even if you're like, man, I don't even know these other guys at the table, know this, like we're here for the same reason. And that is to make progress in pursuing Jesus, to knowing him. One man at a time. And so there's three questions. First off, uh, table leaders, I want you to read James 5.16 as a group out loud. And then I want to ask this question. What is paralyzing you? 
and keeping you from getting in front of Jesus. In many ways, this guy, paralytic man, had an advantage because it was obvious that he was paralyzed. We can all come in here paralyzed in some ways that don't look obvious. So be brave enough, be bold enough, be confident enough in your identity in Christ to share whatever's getting in Jesus' way. Next one, when was the last time you were amazed by God, filled with awe, and said, I have seen remarkable things today because of your efforts to get a man to Jesus one at a time? And who is one guy you're attempting to get in front of Jesus and describe what it's looking like? And men, let me go ahead and tell you, if you're sitting there going, oh, I think I need to get to work because truth be told, you're going, I got nothing. It's okay. Um, we have a great opportunity moving forward. And we've just seen a great example in Scripture of what that can look like as we're going. And so let me pray, and then we'll break out into our groups. Father, I praise you for these men. I praise you for a church whose leadership believes in investing into the heart of men. And so, Father, for every man that's in this room, would you remind every one of us that you are for us, knowing you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would envelop this room. You're welcome here. You are needed here. Lord, would you remove any and all forms of pride and ego that could possibly get in your way of capturing a dude's heart and from bringing him into freedom, healing him from whatever is paralyzing him, keeping him in a state of being paralyzed, that getting in the way of knowing you the way that you want and desire to know every one of these men in this room. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and discernment for every table leader to navigate, to facilitate this time, to really move in tune with your spirit. And Father, we praise you. We stand in awe of how great you are. And we ask that you would show us how to do our part, to, to live on purpose, to, to be intentional with our role so that we can experience the remarkable things that only you can do for your glory and your purposes, and we give you all the praise for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 